You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message and welcome to the tribe. Now here's Lee Wong. Happy New Year, tribe. Hello to everyone joining us digitally. How y'all doing this morning? Feeling all right? I hope your year's been going well so far. Now, my name is Lee, and in the spirit of new beginnings and fresh starts, today we are going to explore how we might receive fresh revelation, fresh inspiration from our Heavenly Father. And in a few moments, we're going to jump into the scriptures to explore that. But before we do, it's helpful to look back at where we've come in order to make the most of where we're going. So in February 2020, we together learned that there is a plentiful harvest of people who are in need of our God, Jesus's compassion. And Jesus essentially says to you, and he essentially says to me, hey, you are invited to partner with me in this harvest gathering in my kingdom movement as we bring people into my eternal family. And then in the next series, what we explored together is that if we are going to partner with Jesus in this great harvest gathering, well, in the age of misinformation and fake news and people with their own agendas who are abusing the scriptures, well, it's helpful that we actually have a very good understanding, a better understanding of who Jesus is, his personality, his preferences, and his perspective. We have to better recognize his activity in the world if we're going to align with his agenda. And because, hello, only in Jesus is life. Thereupon, we learn that like a very first domino that you knock over, which eventually creates all sorts of energy and momentum, well, the one discipline that every single one of us can engage in every single day, such that by doing it, everything else is easier and life is more extraordinary, is we must, y'all remember this, live by the power of Jesus's indwelling spirit. That is, we need to live by the power of that which is both the gift that we've been given and the giver. And then we followed that up with a series as we continued to explore how to live by the power of Jesus' spirit. We explored why God himself, Jesus, was motivated to pray. And we learned that he's motivated because he saw that our heavenly father wants to open up for us the heavens, the windows of heaven and pour out to us more of his spirit. That is, he wants to reveal to us more of his affection and his affirmations. Anybody remember any of those teachings over the last couple of years in our long, ongoing conversation with one another? Well, I encourage you guys, as we continue in our journey to revisit some of those Jesus-centered teachings via City Tribe Media on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud. Now, as for today, we're going to pivot. And we're going to transition away from why we can be motivated to stay connected to our Heavenly Father through prayer into now, how practically did Jesus actually pray? And how practically might we receive fresh revelation from God? Might we receive his affection and affirmations? And here's why I believe our conversation today is so critical. 
Because if your life looks anything like mine over the last two years, then I am sure that you have felt the stress of wanting to protect the health of your aging grandparents or your aging parents. And perhaps with the cost of living skyrocketing right now, you have perhaps felt the pressure to perform at work with an understaffed team, or you felt the pressure of looking for gainful employment, wondering how in the heck am I going to continue to provide? This is stressful. And then in these tense times, whether with a loved one or an unempathetic boss, a cocky narcissistic coworker, a crybaby client or a customer, I'm guessing that you have in the last two years at some point had emotionally charged conversations with people that have left you angry, embittered, or anxious about them. And then what I know about some of you is perhaps you're grieving the loss, an unexpected loss of a loved one, a grieving the unexpected loss of a relationship or how it used to be, or maybe you are grieving people's mistreatment and misconduct in these polarized times all the while. You're trying to remain physically and mentally and emotionally present for your spouse and your children who deserve the best version of you. And so perhaps like me, you're feeling a bit defeated or depleted, deflated and discouraged, and you're in need of a bit of refill. And am I alone in that? Am I talking to anybody up in here, anybody online, anybody in need of a fresh refilling from our Heavenly Father? Well, if you, like me, are in fact feeling that way, then we can have hope and we can have encouragement because God himself in human form, Jesus, experienced everything that we just talked about. So one of the biographers of Jesus's life that's been collected in our Bibles, Luke, he details how Jesus, how Jesus had many encounters with people that would have left him emotionally depleted. For example, everywhere he went, Jesus had these large crowds that followed him, and people were always trying to get his attention, trying to get his help and his healing. They were trying to touch him and grab him always. And then on top of that, everywhere Jesus went, there were these group of jealous, filled with rage, arrogant religious leaders that were trying to charge him and get him murdered. That's got to be taxing. Come on. And then Jesus, knowing the future, and seeing people's misconduct and seeing people's mistreatment, he felt heartbreaking. He was grieved knowing what was going to happen to his beloved city, Jerusalem, and he wept for it. And so, despite all of this, despite all of that he experienced and felt, Jesus never lost his compassion. He never lost his gentleness. And he forever remained inspired and focused to continue in his mission to be a harvest gatherer. And what we are going to explore is how. How was Jesus able to remain inspired and filled such that he continued with his mission? And so before we begin, let's as always invite God by his spirit to speak to us. Would you join me in praying? Father, as always, Lord, we just ask that you would, by your spirit, help calm our hearts and our minds and drown out whatever distractions we may have come in here with. And Lord, we just ask that uh, you would speak to us through a word, a picture, a phrase, an impression, a feeling on our hearts that we would leave here changed, transformed. And as for me, Lord, as always, I submit myself to you as a vessel, an instrument, and may the words that come out of my mouth be an accurate depiction of who you are and your love for everyone who is watching and listening. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so how was Jesus able to remain inspired despite 
all that he encountered and you know, what is it that we are to do to imitate him? And when we're feeling defeated and depleted, when we're discouraged and deflated, all that stuff in need of fresh inspiration, how might we begin to receive more of our Heavenly Father's presence, his affection, and his affirmations? Well, based on a picture that Luke painted in his writings, uh, what Jesus did is, and how we begin to receive from our Father, is by doing what perhaps the best shooter in professional basketball history does. Now, if you're somebody who's like not into sports at all, you're rolling your eyes, oh my God, a sports illustration. I promise you this will be brief. It will be painless. But it's important because it captures exactly the imagery that Luke used to paint a picture about Jesus's prayer practice. And so uh, the objective of basketball, all right, it's to put a nine and a half inch diameter ball through an 18 inch diameter hoop that's 10 feet off the ground. And all the while, there's this like freakishly large, freakishly athletic person that's trying to prevent you from actually doing that. Now, something previously considered impossible in the professional basketball world, this guy, Steph Curry, he has been able to, from over 22 feet away, put the ball in the hoop over 3,000 times in just under 800 games. And so from now on, every shot he makes from that distance will be, for the rest of his career, a world record. And the reason that Steph Curry is so effective at putting this ball in the hoop is because he is notorious for running around the basketball court, using his teammates as obstacles in order to create a physical distance from his would-be defenders, his would-be distractions. And all the while, he has his, he has his hands ready to receive the basketball, right? He steps aside in order to accept the ball that's coming to him. That is, he's effective because he makes room to receive the basketball. Y'all say make room to receive. That's important for our conversation. And in the same way that Steph Curry creates a physical distance from what would be a detraction, a distraction, a detraction as well, he and you and I are to make room to receive in the way that Jesus demonstrated for us. He would step aside from that which was distracting him from hearing what our Heavenly Father has to say. Jesus would make room to receive. Here is how Luke recorded it. He said that large crowds would come together to hear Jesus and to be healed of their sicknesses. Remember, they're all trying to grab him and touch him. They want his attention, his help and healing. Yet he, check this out. Jesus would step aside in order to accept what the Father wants to reveal. He would make room to receive, or as Luke recorded, he often withdrew and he prayed. And so if you and I are going to begin to receive what our Heavenly Father wants to reveal to us, his affection, his affirmations, we have to do what Jesus did. We have to do what Steph Curry does. We have to create a physical distance from that which is distracting us. We must first make room in our lives to receive from the Father. Now, if, like I'd be wondering if I was watching or listening to me right now, you might be wondering, well, well hold on a second, Lee. If Jesus' Spirit is God with me, and Jesus' Spirit is God in me, well, why do I need to create a physical distance from what is distracting me? Like, can't I connect with God anytime, anyplace, anywhere that I am? And if you're wondering that, man, hey, kudos to you. 
because that is absolutely correct thinking. You are right in that. And so this begs the question for us, why then would Jesus model for us that we need to create a physical distance from what is distracting us? Like, what is the benefit from physically distancing ourselves from distractions in order to make room to receive? Well, one reason I believe Jesus modeled making room in this way is because of what the Jewish prophet Zechariah recorded. So through the Jewish prophet Zechariah, God had told about a day when the way that he would choose to relate to people, his preference for relating with you and with me wouldn't be through all sorts of military power and parades and pomp and stance or burning bushes, but that there would come a day when God would choose to relate to us personally and relationally through his quiet, gentle spirit. Through the prophet Zechariah, God said it this way. He said, not by strength or by might, but by my spirit. And so if you have accepted and affirmed that Jesus is Messiah, then yes, his spirit is in fact with you. And yes, with God, nothing is impossible. So he can make himself known, reveal himself to you in any circumstance. But I've got some friends out here that I want to help illustrate why Jesus would do such a thing. And so my friend Elijah here, he's going to represent all of the distractions from advertisement and media telling me everything that I want, telling me everything that I need. He could be a scantily clad man or woman trying to get my attention right now. This is my friend Gideon, who's representing my need, uh, my family and my work and all of their demands on me, everything that they want, all my time and energy and attention. This is my friend Abraham, who's representing the emotionally charged memories that I have from trauma and abusive conversations and toxic people just telling me how much I suck. And then this is our friend Lola here representing the Holy Spirit and God's gentle whisper. And so Lola, go ahead and tell me some affirmations that you, you love me. And, and behind me, my distractions are over here screaming at me. Y'all go ahead. Let's, hey, let's hey, put this hey, on display. Hey, hey, you and so let me ask you this. You. If God is hey, choosing to speak I, hey, to you hey, in I a gentle, you. quiet voice, hey. how are you going to be able to receive right what he has to say in the midst of all of this noise? And for this reason, here's what we do. We create, like Steph Curry, a physical distance. I'm going to take God with me, God in me, somewhere else. Are the distractions still there? Absolutely. But are they as pronounced anymore? No, they are not. And now I can hear a little bit more clearly those affirmations, the love that she wants to share with me. Making sense to you guys. Y'all give it up for my helping hands over here. Thank you, guys. None of y'all suck. None of y'all suck. That was just for me. And so Jesus, this is part of the reason I believe he created a physical distance from that which was distracting him. He regularly got away to places that were without lodging, that were without food. He went to uninhabited places. And what's so fascinating about this, so one of the resources that I use to interpret the scriptures is called the Gazinius Hebrew Lexicon. What it shares is that the concept of a deserted place, an uninhabited place, the wilderness, is often likened to that of a mouth or that of speech, meaning that Jesus would go to the place where the mouth of God would speak. He would go to uninhabited places. Here's how Luke recorded it. He said, yet he, Jesus, made room to receive. He stepped aside in order to accept. He often withdrew to where? 
deserted places, uninhabited places, places without lodging or food, places with very minimal distractions, and he prayed. And so y'all tag someone in the chat or tell somebody near you that you came with, hey, have you made room to receive? Have you made room to receive? Now, what else may have been so appealing to Jesus about going to a deserted place, an uninhabited place by himself. And like, why didn't Jesus go be alone in a local synagogue or in a local cafe? Well, the other imagery that Luke used when he recorded his account, it reveals why. And it reminds me of what my friend Brian experienced. So after my friend's father passed away, in order to honor his dad's love for travel and exploration for a season, my friend Brian traveled the world. And one of his stops was in San Pedro de Atacama, Chile, in La Valle de Cactus. It was a deserted place, an uninhabited place. And in this unedited, unenhanced photo of him, it captured the majestic tapestry of vibrant colors from burning stars and galactic gases millions of light years away that was revealed in the uninhabited valley's night sky. So y'all take a look at this brilliant photo of our galaxy's Milky Way. And so seeing this with his naked eye, I asked my friend, I said, hey, dude, what was that experience like? And here's what he said. He said, that moment, it provided an environment for me that helped me know that God is with me. It helped me feel more confident in who he is and thus in who I am and who I'm becoming. It made me feel still and in the moment. And what my friend experienced is what social scientists call awe and wonder, awe and wonder, remarkable experiences like gazing at the vastness of our galaxy and having your perceptions and your perspectives challenged. In a growing body of research, it reveals the far-reaching effects, the far-reaching benefits of awe and wonder. For example, awe, it's associated with improving your mood and your satisfaction with life. Awe is associated with decreasing inflammation, thus making you healthier and boosting your immune system. Awe and wonder, it helps you think more creatively and thus more critically. You're better able to solve problems and it decreases your value in the mundane, like in money and in materialism. Awe and wonder, what it does, it expands your perception of time so that you become more patient and you become more willing to serve other people. And awe and wonder, it makes you feel more connected with humanity and more cooperative. It brings people together. And so gazing at the night sky, feeling this sense of awe and wonder that my friend Brian experienced, I believe that Jesus would have experienced the same. You see, much like the brilliant tapestry of colors and lights on display in La Valle de Cactus in Chile in our modern day world, well, in the night skies where Jesus often retreated to, where he withdrew to in the uninhabited Judean deserts and mountains, this is what you would see. And this picture is actually modern day. So imagine in Jesus's day when there wasn't any smog or light pollution from our cities, it would have been even more clear. And so surely, often withdrawing to deserted places, making room to receive away from things that distracted him, Jesus would have also felt the positive effects of awe and wonder as he looked up at the vastness of the sky. And he likely would have thought, look, if our creator... Out of, from out of nothing has the power to generate the heavens and the earth. Surely, 
He has power over my problems, and he is in control. And on top of that, I imagine that Jesus, seeing the multitude of stars, that he was reminded of God's promise to the founder of his faith and lineage, the Jewish patriarch Abraham. 1,800 years prior, God promised Abraham this. He said, look at the sky and count the stars, if you're able to count them. Your offspring will be that numerous. And then Jesus, from his favorite deserted place, Mount Olivet, looking down at the city before him, below him, populated with all of Abraham's descendants, Jesus would have been reminded of God's faithfulness, and he would have thought, man, if our heavenly father was faithful to his promise to Abraham over 1,800 years ago, then surely he will be faithful to our promises to me to resurrect me. He'll be faithful to his promise to you that you have the gift of eternal life. And so it's partly for these reasons to experience awe and wonder, to be inspired and to be reminded of God's faithfulness that I believe Jesus distanced himself physically from his distractions in uninhabited places and at night, especially. Here's how Luke detailed Jesus's practice to pray under the night sky. He said, during those days when Jesus was emotionally taxed, everybody was wanting him. He, Jesus, went out to this deserted place, the mountain, to pray. And he spent, check this, all night in prayer to God. And there's yet another reason why I believe Jesus didn't go to a local cafe or a local synagogue to receive from our Heavenly Father. So James Nestor, he spent the last decade scouring through thousands of years of medical research, and he's interviewed dozens of lung medicine experts, and he summarized his findings of the hidden science concerning the quality of our breaths in his book called Breath. And what he suggests in his research and his findings is that when our body is overwhelmed with poor quality air, like carbon dioxide, for example, then you and I, we remain in a heightened state of anxiety. We remain in a state of fight or flight. We cannot be at peace or at rest. He wrote this. He said, from what I've learned in the past decade, that 30 pounds of air that passes through our lungs every day and that 1.7 pounds of oxygen our cells consume, it is as important as what we eat and as important as how much we exercise. Y'all, breathing is a missing pillar of health. Y'all take a deep breath in. The quality of our breaths is directly correlated with the quality of our lives. High-quality breaths can lower your blood pressure and your heart rate, meaning you're finally going to be able to relax and be at rest. And it improves your blood flow and your digestion, so you actually feel more energetic and you feel more optimistic. And then higher-quality breaths, well, guess where they're experienced? Not in poorly circulated indoor places where there's all sorts of mildew and dust and pollen or all sorts of things of that nature. Better breaths are experienced where? outdoors in the atmospheric air. And so the specific language that Luke used when he recorded Jesus's prayer practice, it describes that Jesus actually preferred praying outdoors in uncovered, unroofed settings. He used a word that communicates that, you know, Jesus pretty much knew he wanted to be in the fresh air. And it's as if Jesus, the agent of creation, as if he knew something, a thing or two about what your body needs, about what my body needs, if we are going to be refreshed and refueled and refilled to get 
inspiration. And he stacked getting alone away from his distractions with getting inspiration from awe and wonder, looking at the night sky with getting fresh air for ourselves, what they consume. And for these reasons, Jesus didn't simply pray only indoors in cafes and in synagogues. Luke wrote it this way. He said, in the evening, Jesus would, check this right here, go out in the atmospheric air, uncovered areas, and spend the night on what is called the Mount of Olives, this other deserted place. And so perhaps the most important thing about what Jesus modeled for you and for me is in this last detail that Luke recorded, how we get fresh revelation from our Heavenly Father. Jesus didn't just withdraw when it was convenient. And Jesus didn't just withdraw and make room to receive when he felt like it. No, making room to receive was Jesus's daily practice. It was his habit. It was his rhythm. It was his routine. Luke said it this way. He went out and he made his way, check this, as what? Usual. Daily discipline. A rhythm and a routine. It was his lifestyle, his way of life. And he did it often. Now let's put together everything that we've learned that Jesus modeled and that Luke recorded for us. So if we are going to pray like Jesus prayed, and if we're going to remain refreshed and inspired so we continue to be effective harvest gatherers as we participate in Jesus's movement, well, then like Steph Curry, who actively is running around the basketball court trying to create a physical distance from his distractions and his detractors, well, then we too need to create a physical distance as far as is reasonably possible so that we make room to receive. And then we need to go at it alone with Jesus' spirit so that we can hear his gentle whisper. And ideally, we'll do this at night so that we might be awestruck and we might be inspired that the creator of the heavens and earth, who's all powerful, is with us. And then, preferably outdoors and well-circulated atmospheric air so that we can breathe and have peace and regulate our oxygen and regulate the sense of rest that we would experience. And we have to do this as regularly as possible. It has to become a lifestyle. It cannot be something we just do whenever we get a moment or whenever we feel like it. And y'all, look, this is exactly what I'm inviting y'all to join me in doing this year. Make room to receive. In fact, I'm not inviting you. I am pleading with you guys to do it because if God himself, Jesus demonstrated that he also needed it, what makes me think? What makes you think that we could endure, that we could thrive without making room? We need to receive. And I genuinely care that you receive what our heavenly father is wanting. He's yearning to reveal to you. And here's what I know. I know that some of you might be thinking, man, Lee, all of this sounds great. All of that sounds like something I would love to try doing, but I can't see it happening. I'm a small business owner. You know, if I don't work, I don't get paid and I don't eat. Or some of you guys are thinking, man, I work multiple jobs. When in my schedule will I find time to do this? And I'm managing a household. I've got all these little niñitos walking around and I don't trust them with my family members. They're going to destroy the place or the other way around. I don't trust anybody because I don't want them to abuse my kiddos. And so I don't have bandwidth. I don't have capacity. I don't have the resources to do what Jesus demonstrated, what you're inviting us to do, Lee. And if you're thinking that way, let me say, first of all, I understand. And you are absolutely right. 
What I am asking you guys to do, what I'm pleading with you guys to do at some level, it takes privilege that many people who in our tribe are working multiple jobs or are managing a household, you do not have that privilege. My friend Brian currently does not have children. And in our current culture and rhythms and routines, it is vastly different, our work schedules, than what Jesus and his disciples experienced in the first century where they got to walk every place. And so if you are somebody who is on the opposite end of the spectrum, though, here's my challenge to you. If you are somebody who does have capacity, you do have bandwidth, you do have some resources, and there is a spiritual gift in you of mercy and compassion, and there is a gift in you where you know how to coordinate and you know how to connect people to community resources, I'm challenging you to join the compassion team. Because it, if you are somebody who doesn't have capacity or bandwidth, it is not your responsibility to figure it out on your own. If we're going to reflect Jesus, it is your tribe's responsibility. And so those of you with the gift of compassion, man, let's start a compassion team. Let's put our grace gifts to use and together, and let's figure out how we can serve our families who desire to make room to receive, but they just don't have the capacity. Anybody down to do that, email lee.wong at citytribe. Dot church. That's Lee.Wong at citytribe.church. Let's figure this out because everybody deserves to hear from our heavenly father. Now, here's my promise to you all. My promise is that I'm going to work with our prayer team. And I'm going to work with some of our tribe leaders, and we are going to create an accessible and an affordable prayer retreat or a praycation that we can offer several times of year to the entire tribe. Would anybody be interested in something like that, being able to get away, making room to receive? Y'all let us know in the chat. And so y'all be on the lookout for that. Hopefully sometime later this year, we'll be able to offer that. Now, for those of you who do have a trusted support network, you do have the resources. It's time to reach out to that friend. It's time to reach out to that family member and ask for help and say, hey, I need a night away. Do you mind just giving me an evening? Maybe prepare some meals or maybe take care of the kiddos or something like that. Use your PTO. It's time to make room to receive. And just to be clear, here's what I'm not saying. I am not saying that you need to go and book a very expensive Airbnb in Atacama, Chile. All right. I'm not saying that you need to go and pay for an expensive excursion in Israel. And I'm not saying that you need to go somewhere off the grid that's really scary and you're afraid to be alone and you don't know what's going to happen to you. And if there's an emergency, nobody's going to be able to get hold of you. And I'm especially not saying that you need to go extreme hiking and 127 hours later, you have to cut off your arm because you got stuck in a rock or something like that, you know, like that movie. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that you can go somewhere local. Like today, right next door in the cafe, we have shut the cafe down today. We created an environment where you can practice silence and solitude. If you've got nowhere to go, you've got time to spare, go hang out in there. We've created a vibey space. You can make room to receive, or you can go locally to a park like Confluence Park, or you can go down Mission Reach somewhere, or you can go to Joshua Springs or where I go with my family. We go to Enchanted Rock. You can join the prayer talk tribe, which is now called grow, or you can go with the walking with the mission tribe with pastor Joe or the hike heroic tribe, man, any of those resources and opportunities that we have available for you. And pastor Joe has even said, he's going to encourage all tribe leaders from now on to regularly, periodically engage in silence and solitude. So collectively we can make room to receive. Now here's what I'm pleading with you all to do. All right. I am pleading with you to make the decision right now 
Those of you joining us online, listening right now, make the decision that just one evening this year, hold on, let me be clear, one evening this year, not even the whole night, but from sundown till maybe midnight or you get sleepy and fall asleep for you to create a physical distance from your distractions and you make room to receive and you listen in silence. Does that sound doable this year, City Tribe? Come on, let me hear it. Is that something that you guys are going to be able to do? And so if you make this decision, man, you got to hold yourself accountable. You can text somebody something similar to what's on the screen. You text that person right now, whoever that best friend is, that cousin or whatever. Hey, I need your help. And people love when you ask for their help. This year, I want to better connect with God. Would you hold me accountable to getting away one night so I can hear what he wants to say to me? I promise you it will refresh you. And you might be thinking, you might be wondering, but really though, Lee, come on. Like, if I make room to receive, will God actually reveal himself to me? Will he speak to me? And here we go. Final stretch right here. We're almost done. Last story. I am absolutely convinced he will because, check this, this past year, filled with grief that was manifesting as anger and anxiety, I spent many, many nights unable to sleep. Many, many nights I spent coming to work, Zero hours, zero minutes of sleep whatsoever. In fact, I eventually ended up in the ER and in and out of doctor's appointments, a cardiologist trying to figure out that why when I was able to sleep, I was waking up in a panic and my heart just beating out of my chest and why my resting heart rate was 150 beats per minute, which is what you experience when you're working out. And it's part of the reason why y'all hadn't seen me teaching on stage for the last five months. And so I began to leverage my insomnia and I began to leverage and put into practice everything that we've been learning together, everything that we talk about here. And I began more routinely, as usual, right, practicing silence and solitude and making room to receive. I physically got away from distractions and began to breathe and say, Father, reveal yourself to me. Father, reveal yourself to me. And then I would just listen. And then one day just grieved with one area of my life in utter frustration and brokenhearted. I begged. I said, Father, I really need you to reveal yourself right now. I need to receive more of you because sin is crouching at my door. I'm about to hurt somebody. God, help a brother. Then I took a deep breath, got out of my car, stepped foot onto the Cameo campus, you know, put on a smile because I don't want to scare away any newcomers or anything like that, you know. And I was met immediately by our prayer team who had no idea what was going on or what had been going on. And they kind of just crept up to me and they said, Hey, we feel like the Holy Spirit is telling us that we need to bless you and we need to affirm you. Would you let us pray over you? And I said, absolutely. And they did just that. And I thought, huh, that's an interesting coincidence, right? And then I walked down the breezeway to the cafe, my normal routine, got to get my coffee where I was met by the family who often runs the cafe, Dakota Flores and her family. Y'all know them. And excitedly, they greeted me and they said, Lee, oh my gosh, we just got to tell you, we were just out of potluck with all these old friends and everybody, for whatever reason, you came up in the conversation. They started going around the room and sharing how God through you has impacted their life in some way and all sorts of other affirmations. But this isn't about me. This is how God has revealed himself to me. And so I thought again, huh? That's pretty funny, you know? What is the timing of all that stuff, right? I just begged for God to reveal himself, and these two incidences occurred. So then I go outside, and I connect with our Kid City director, Michelle Cook. And I start telling her about this whole 
two years of suckage and my praying to God and my making room to receive and practicing silence and solitude and begging him to reveal himself. And I told her about the two uh, interesting coincidences of those experiences that I've just talked about with you guys. And I kid you not, as we're having this conversation, up walks Blair. And Michelle as my witness, Blair as my witness, you can go ask them. Here's what happened. Blair, not knowing anything, spoke some very specific affirmations that are connected with my situation. And so Michelle and I look at each other like, what's going on? You know, are we seeing God actually, his spirit at work, moving from heart to heart and speaking to you through these people? And I'm like, I don't know. This is crazy. And then, man, I'm going to spare you guys all the details. But over the next couple of days, many of my friends, people you know, Margo, Sadie, Josiah, Pastor Joe, Jeannie, my friend Clayton, Gideon, every one of these folks, not knowing a single thing, spoke a very specific affirmation concerning my situation. And I'm telling you guys, man, it has transformed my perception, my perspective. So I no longer saw this year as a terrible year. But last year, it was one of the best years of my life because... It proved to me God's faithfulness to respond when we ask him to reveal more of himself. And he made me even more compassionate and he made even deeper my relationships with those people. And so going back to your question, will he actually show up? Will he reveal himself to you? I am absolutely convinced he will. I am no more special than any one of you guys. He will show up. And so imagine, imagine what he'd do for you if you regularly made room to receive. I believe you will grow more confident in who he is, and thus you will grow more confident in his faithfulness. You will grow more confident thus in yourself and who you are becoming. I believe if you continue to make room to receive, then you will have more clarity and less confusion and chaos. If you made room to receive, you'll have less angst and anxiousness about your future, but you will grow more compassionate. You'll have more inspiration to continue as a harvest gatherer. You will remain inspired to continue to receive from him. But if you don't, if you don't make room to receive, if you don't make this a part of your lifestyle, then you may miss what God's gentle spirit is speaking to you right now, what he wants to reveal to you right now. You may continue to feel depleted and defeated and discouraged. You may continue to be anxious and filled with angst and be robbed of your joy and your peace. And so, my brothers and sisters, like he modeled, We need to be like Jesus, who often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. And what's that? Let's pray and you will be dismissed. So Heavenly Father, man, we thank you, Lord, for how you use Luke to create such a beautiful picture with all the details of how Jesus modeled for us, how we can pray and how we can receive from you. And I pray that today what we have discussed It would not be soon forgotten, but that there would have been a word, a picture, a feeling that would inspire people who are watching or listening and that they would desire to make room to receive because we know that you want to reveal yourself to us. And so, Lord, throughout this year, would you and the rest of our lives just give us reminders of uh, that we need to create space that need to, we need to create a physical distance from what's distracting us, that we need to get outdoors under the night sky, that we need to breathe in and just listen. So Lord, we are waiting with great expectation for how you're going to speak to us all. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed said, amen.
men. Well, as mentioned, you can go next door, those of you who are here in person to the cafe. If you've got time, you just want to chill. Uh, We're going to kick off our new series next week. Pastor Doug will be back with 21 Days of Prayer. But brothers and sisters, may you make room to receive. Happy New Year. God bless you all. We're glad you're a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.